I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be bringing you the latest Arsenal-related transfer news, and we're going to be kicking off by talking about the latest around Lissandro Martinez, a player that the Gunners are being heavily, heavily linked with, a player that the Gunners are desperately trying to bring in between now and the end of the window. So what is the latest? Well, the latest is, of course, that after having an initial offer of 35 million euros, I almost said 40, 35 million euros rejected, Arsenal, according to reports in the Netherlands, have gone back in with a second offer, an offer worth 40 million euros plus add-ons. Now, it's understood that Ajax are looking for a guaranteed 50 million euros before they'll come to the table, before they'll consider allowing Lissandro Martinez to go. But there is a feeling in the Netherlands at the moment that Ajax would be very reluctant to let go both Lissandro Martinez and Urien Timber, who, of course, was earlier in the window being heavily linked with a move to Manchester United. Ajax are selling a lot of players this summer. And therefore, they've reached a point where they probably don't desperately need to sell to raise funds. And they're probably starting to worry a little bit about how they're going to replace all of these players and what a big uh, rebuild job that is on the new manager's hands. So I guess we're going to have to pay up. We're going to have to pay exactly what it is that Ajax are looking for in the end for Lissandro Martinez. Now, the thing that works in our favour, as we understand it, is that the Argentinian, known as the Butcher, wants this move himself. He really does. He wants to move to Arsenal. It's understood that personal terms will not be an issue between Arsenal and Martinez and that a verbal agreement on that front has been made. So it's just the case now of convincing Ajax that, you know, we, or, or I guess, yeah, convincing Ajax to sell the guy, basically. And the only way you do that is by showing them the money. So will Arsenal do it? Hopefully. Um, but at the very least, from Arsenal's side, just going in with this offer of 40 million euros plus add-ons, they think is going to bring Ajax to the negotiation table. And that's obviously the first step. We've talked about it before, about how you don't want to overpay for people. You want to try and get deals done at the best possible price for yourself. The selling club want to do the same for themselves. And it's very rare that your first offer is your final offer. And, and so we're going to see a little bit of back and forward on this. But What's really, really important from my perspective is that Arsenal get these deals done because in the cases of Rafinha, in the cases of Lissandro Martinez, where we know there are other clubs circling and other clubs interested, we need to act promptly because we clearly have the funds available to do these deals and to do them quickly. You think about Barcelona and their pursuit of Rafinha. They're reliant upon sales to raise that money to then go back to Leeds United and try and strike a deal for Rafinha. You think about some of the other clubs in Italy that are said to be in the, the run-in for some of these players. You know, they, they probably need to sell as well. They probably need to raise funds. So we're in a place now where Arsenal really, really do um, have a bit of an advantage in that they have the money available now. And that is a credit to the club and the way the club is being operated and owned at the moment. You have to say, KSE have had a really hard time. 
from the fans and most of it has been warranted. There's no getting away from that. Okay. But clearly we've gone into this window with a real intent to get business done and to get it done early and make moves and, and do them quickly so that we, as I say, gain the advantage in the chase. And that looks as though that's what we're trying to do with Lissandro Martinez as well. Fabrizio Romano has also uh, reported that Arsenal have gone in with this 40 million euro offer worth uh, 40 million euros initially, but with add-ons as well, which gives you a little bit more uh, confidence in the initial report. But it seems as though this one is moving along as well. And people were talking a lot about Yuri Tielemans earlier in the window. And we keep talking about the fact that Arsenal might go back in for Tielemans, that that is not completely dead in the water. But we were told about a week or so ago that Arsenal's priorities now were getting deals done for Rafinha, Gabriel Jesus, which we think is done, and Lissandro Martinez. And hopefully we can wrap this one up um, in the not too distant future as well. So that's the latest on Lissandro Martinez. We're going to talk a little bit about William Saliba as well. Some developments with regards to his future. But before we do that, let's go over to the comments and see what you guys are saying. Uh, lots of hellos from all over the world, which is incredible. Um, CWHS uh, fan says, uh, which will be the primary position for Lissandro? Greetings from Texas. In my opinion, he'll be coming in as a bit of a, an all-rounder. I think that obviously his primary position is centre-back. I think when you consider that we're going to let Pablo Marie go, most likely this window, we don't have another left-footed centre-back within the group. Of course, William Saliba comes into the picture, but he too is right-footed and prefers to play on the right-hand side of that defence. So I think that he plays as a left-footed centre-back. I think that's where he'll primarily be brought into backfield and cover. But also he gives you the ability uh, to cover Kieran Tierney at left back. He also gives you the ability to play in defensive midfield. Now, I wonder if this is partly being done in order to accommodate the fact that we quite often lose Thomas Partey. Does Mikel Arteta trust Granit Xhaka to play that lone defensive midfield role on his own? I don't think he does due to what I would probably describe as mobility issues. Now, I'm not saying Xhaka doesn't cover ground. He absolutely does. But is he always, or has he shown himself to be mobile enough in the past to play that role that Thomas Partey so often plays alone? Probably not. Now, I would say that in the last couple of seasons, Arsenal's structure overall has dramatically improved. And that's allowed a player, whether it be Partey, Xhaka, Lissandro Martinez, to play that sole defensive midfield role without it always being a problem. So that's progress in itself. But I still think that Mikel Arteta's got reservations about that. And the fact that he reverted to two sixes when Thomas Partey was absent, instead of putting Xhaka in that position and then trying to carry on with the same system, suggests to me that he doesn't trust Xhaka to do that role alone. Lissandro Martinez, however, could do that role. He's very progressive. He's very good at breaking the lines with his passing, very comfortable with the ball, very cultured in his left foot. He's got all of the attributes that you would want from a player that can play in that position. Add that versatility to the portfolio. And this feels like a really, really good signing. If indeed Arsenal can get it over the line. So I think primarily he'll be coming in as a left centre-back, but I don't think there'll be any uh, hesitation or doubt in Mikel Arteta's mind that when needed, this guy can play in a multitude of positions. 
Paul Nell says uh, we're aiming for the right areas, essentially getting backups in every position. Agree. That's obviously what they're trying to do. We're not going to get 100% of the way there um, during this window. It's completely unrealistic, I think, to bring in eight, nine players uh, in a transfer window. But we can do fives and sixes, and it feels like Arsenal are really uh, pushing the boat out this summer. Fingers crossed. Uh, big hello to uh, Noah, to Peter as well. Uh, big hello to Creambone. Uh, Alex Hasib says, two live shows today. You spoil us, Harry. Yeah, I'm feeling generous today. <laughs> uh, Marcus Antonius says, uh, get this man through the door ASAP. IX have produced a lot of gems that we've missed out on. Arsenal cannot let this one slip through the cracks. What else have we got? Many of you pointing out that KSE have just won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, um, they're on a winning streak at the moment. Hopefully Arsenal uh, are next. Uh, Martin, just taking it to Rafinha for a minute, says, uh, read that the Rafinha deal is done. I've read quite a bit of that over the last few days, but I've not seen it from anyone that I would say is, how do I put it? Um, you know, really in the know. I think there's a lot of speculative reports doing the rounds. And I think what you get with a lot of these outlets is when they're quite confident that a deal is going to go through, they end up um, sort of putting a piece that kind of says it's done so that then when that happens, they can go back and say, look, we told you this two or three days ago. And actually, they're kind of trying to guess. They're trying to get ahead of the curve. I've spoken to you guys about this before at length, uh, about the way that this kind of industry works. And you you will see that from time to time. Uh, let's see what else uh, we've got in the chat before uh, we move on. Um, Clock in Seb says, um, how have we got a larger cash injection post-COVID than before? Not complaining, by the way. It's really, really interesting because a lot of people have, have sort of referred to this, you know, and, and we were talking about it, I think yesterday, weren't we? People going... How on earth have Arsenal got so much money? How are they doing so much business? How is this even possible? Well, clearly there's been an acceptance within the walls of Arsenal Football Club that the only way they speed up this process, the only way they get to where they want to be in the not too distant future is to pump money into the thing. And people laughed at me and criticised me a lot when I said during the January window, that actually I was okay with Arsenal not going bonkers, trying to sign a striker at short notice, if it meant that the, the reluctance to be knee-jerk was going to put us in a better position in the summer. And I genuinely do believe that getting some of the players that we did off of the wage structure, off of the wage bill in January is partly why we are able to go out and do this business that we're doing now. I mean, you've got to think about it. We haven't even sold anyone yet. You know, we you know, we talked earlier about Bern Leno. What does the future hold for him? We haven't sold him yet. We haven't sold Lucas Terreira. Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Hector Bayerin are both reporting back for preseason training today. So they're very much still in the picture. Lucas Terreira, nothing's happened there. You know, there's, there's a lot of players at Arsenal Football Club that we probably will move on, but haven't done so yet. I don't think when you're as wealthy as KSE, it's always difficult to raise money to do one-off deals. I think there are ways of doing that. I think you can leverage other things. 
you know, we know Arsenal have done quite a bit of work behind the scenes in the last year or so to restructure certain debts in order to, you know, make more cash. I beg your pardon, in order to make more cash available to do this type of thing. But the big problem at Arsenal, the big drainer on Arsenal for years and years and years was an out of control wage bill. And then you think about the fact that, you know, we had players that had been signed when we were in the Champions League on very lucrative Champions League level contracts. And we hadn't played Champions League football for a number of years. All of that started to, to kind of catch up on us. And we're now in a position where it seems the club have gone, you know what, we had to go through this pain. We had to clear the decks in order to do that. But once we've done that, we can now move forward. And it feels like we're at that point now where Arsenal are shopping for top players, where Arsenal do have the money to go make a real splash in the transfer market and buy four or five top players that are going to come in and really, really improve us. So I am, um, you know, I'm really pleased. But it's important to note as well that, you know, when people talk about this this big spend, and it looks like there is going to be a, a fairly big spend from Arsenal this summer, we're still talking 40 to 50 million pound players, right? We, we're not ventured into the 80 millions and the 85 millions, like Liverpool spent on Darwin Nunez, for example. You know, we've not ventured to that point yet where we're spending crazy amounts of money on one or two players. We're still being quite astute about it all. You know, Gabriel Jesus... 45 million. If you manage to land Rafinha for about 60 million, then you've essentially refreshed your entire attack with Saka still there, with Smith Rowe still there, with all the ingredients of what's made us, you know, progress in the last sort of 12 months. You've managed to do that and, and add so much to that attack for around about 100 million pounds. You know, if you spend 40, 45 million pounds that is on Lissandro Martinez and you get him in the door, you've signed a player that can play centre-back, centre-midfield and left-back. Arsenal is still being very clever about the way they're doing their business and very shrewd uh, and very measured and very calculated, which is a good thing. So yes, the spend overall, similarly to last summer, will look like a lot, but it would have been spent on a, a fair amount of players. And when you average out what the prices are, you'll realise that we're still not doing what City do, what PSG do, what all those state-owned clubs do. We're doing it in our way, which is a little bit more conservative, but can be, if you get it right, equally as effective. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. Lots of um, lots of amazing um, comments in the chat as well. Great to... Um, Great to hear from you. Um, Mogambo says, oh, my God, how long are you going to talk about wage bills? It's been a big problem of Arsenal's for a long, long time, mate. It's been a massive problem for Arsenal. Um, you know, and and let's not pretend it wasn't. Let's take a few more um, of your questions. Uh, Harvey said, uh, I asked you, Harry, in February if we will have an advantage in the summer window because we cleared out so many Deadwood players compared to United and Spurs. And it seems at least for now there is an advantage. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, it's it's not even always about money. It's about making sure that you're in shape to do the business straight away. So if you think back to recent seasons, how many transfer windows have we been sitting here watching it, watching the days go by, you know, being linked with everybody and anybody and seeing very little movement until we were able to move players on. 
now we're in a place where we're being able to go and be proactive first. And that is really, really important. And it does give you a massive advantage. Completely agree. Um, DM Creative says, Harry, are you excited? Yeah, I am. Why wouldn't I be? Um, when I look at the business that we have done and the business that it looks like we're going to do uh, between now and the end of the window, you, then surely when you look at the progress that we saw on the pitch last season, you know, we were right in the hunt for Champions League football. We missed out. We fell short in the end. Um, but how can you not be excited if we do go on and wrap up these deals? Now, I know that a lot of them have ifs next to them, right? I know that Lisandro Martinez is not a done deal. I know that Rafinha is not a done deal. At the moment, it's Gabriel Jesus, the one that excites me. That's the big marquee signing that we've made so far. Marquinhos looks like a, a very worthwhile addition, but I don't really know where he's at in terms of whether he's ready right now to come in and make an impact or if this is something we're going to reap the rewards from in the future. Um, you know, Fabio Vieira, again, is another one like that. Looks like a really interesting talent and a player that I'm I'm really curious to to watch over the coming years and see and understand exactly how he's going to progress. But again, at the same time, you know, he's he may well be someone that we reap the rewards from in the next 12 to 18 months as opposed to instantly. Uh, let's see what else uh, you guys are saying in the chat. Uh, v Vlad says, Harry, does the Martinez signing, of course, if we get it done, along with the Vieira signing, indicate that perhaps we are covered for DM backup and left centre mid as well. And as a result, we won't sign another central midfielder like Tielemans. It could be the case. It could be the case that Arsenal um, are deciding, rightly or wrongly, everybody will have their opinion on this, but it could be that Arsenal have decided that Sambi Lakonga is someone that, having invested a, a fair amount of money into last summer, given his age and, and relative inexperience at, at a very high level, you could argue that Arsenal want to make good on that investment and feel as though they don't need to go out and do more in that position because Lokonga could get there. Now, I'm not sure that he will. You know, I've got to be honest. Um, but I think he's got talent and I'd love to see him kick on and push on. And I think that's probably how the club look at it as well. So let's see. I mean, I think that the Tielemans deal is one that they're, they're willing to do if they can do it at the right price. And at the right price, we're talking about around about £25 million, which is what Arsenal were reported to be willing to pay, what Leicester was said to be willing to accept. But something, and I've I've shared my theories and views and opinions on what it might be in recent shows, but something has obviously caused this deal to stall. And it'll be interesting to know what that actually is, because that could have big implications. And it could be something that, you know, we might think is a non-issue, but it could be a real problem for the club and hence why they have been a little bit more reluctant to, to push on and, and carry on with this one. Uh, a big thank you to Mr. Mute who has just joined. So having to rewind, but wanting to say found your channel last week and love it. Thank you so much, mate. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna family. Let's uh, keep going um, through the chat. As Harvey says, spam the likes for Harry. Yes, please do uh, spam the likes. Really, really uh, does help. We've got over 750 of you live on the stream with me right now, but there's only 90 likes on the board. Let's set a target of 400 likes between now and the end of the stream. That should be more than achievable. Uh, massive thank you to the Fort Lauderdale Guna Craig for his very kind uh, super chat donation. He says, Harry, anytime you and Edu have barbecued at the same time, 
we've signed someone just saying, well, listen, mate, I'm always prepared. So the next time you guys come across anything indicating um, <laughs> that Edu is barbecuing, just drop me a line and let me know because uh, I'll be uh, I'll, uh, I'll be ready to jump all over that. If it brings us good luck, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, what else have we got in the chat box? Um, Vincey Boy says, we need another right back to give competition to Tommy so we can have two good right backs. What do you think? Yeah, I think that in an ideal world, we'd, we'd like to bring in another right back. Um, you know, I do. But I also think that because the club, and again, this is not my opinion, so don't jump on me for it, but because the club have indicated that they're quite happy and satisfied with Cedric as a backup. And the fact that Saliba's coming in, which means Ben White could potentially be used at right back. I think when you think about all of that, I think that although that feels like something we should do in the future, it doesn't sit right at the top of the list for me. And on that basis, um, on that basis, I'm going to say that this is probably, as Rydog puts it, took the words right out of my mouth, next summer's business. So I'm not too stressed about that one. Harry, do you think this current direction is from Arteta or is it the club's pivot from the Unai debacle? I think it's a bit of both. I think that it would be disrespectful to, um, to discount Mikel Arteta's role in all of this, in, in this really dramatic shift of direction in the way that we're doing things because it weren't happening before he came. So if it wasn't coming, if, sorry, if it wasn't happening before he came, then how can you completely rule out the possibility that he is very much a driving force? I think what's happened is that they've obviously gone and appointed him as manager. I think they've been sold um, on him from the day he walked in. I think he talks a great game. I think he's laid out a very clear plan. I think him and Edu seem to get on and seem to agree on most things, which helps. Um, and I think the two of them have become an immovable force within the club that KSE look at and and trust. And, and this is why everybody involved at the moment, and again, this is all subject to us getting these deals done, but this is why everybody, um, you know, plays their part because, yeah, Edu is, is doing great things. Arteta seems to be doing good things as well alongside him. But you still have to give KSE credit for trusting them because they don't have to trust them. You know, other owners may well have stepped in during the Mesa Ozil debacle and said, nope, we are paying this guy X amount of money per week. He's a valuable asset to the club. Commercially, he's huge. You have to include him. You have to. You can't freeze him out based on your own reasons. We're not accepting that. We own this football club. We call the shots. And you are essentially taking out my <laughs> finest asset and putting it out in the rain to rot and just leaving it there. We're never going to see any of that value returned if you don't get him back in the team, back involved and playing well again. And you could say the same thing about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, which suggests that for KSE to not intervene there, to not, you know, be insistent on those players being involved, even when they were causing problems behind the scenes. They trust in the management. They trust in Mikel Arteta and they trust in Edu. They trust them to make the right footballing decisions. And 
you know, I've I've been talking a lot about the Chelsea takeover in the last week with with various people sort of at work and and on podcasts and and on the radio, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things we keep talking about is, you know, Todd Bowley and his decision to essentially name himself as the interim sporting director. What does that mean? And I'm very much of the opinion that if you've got a skill set, by all means, all good business people do it. They throw themselves into the arena and they do what is necessary. And often, particularly when you you start business, the only way you'll ever get it off the ground and make money is if you yourself do the work. And Todd Bowley is someone who clearly doesn't need to do the work, given his wealth, but wants to, because that's probably how he's always done things. But there comes a point where you have to recognize, and this is very, very part, uh, much part of, um, this is very much a part of being a good business person. You have to know and recognize when you are no longer the expert and the right person for the job that you are, you know, wanting to, you know, excel in. You know, when you realize that actually, yeah, Chelsea are an elite level Premier League football club and they need an elite level sporting director, that's that's that kind of bit of self-reflection that you really need to have to be a successful business person. So I, I genuinely believe that, you know, it's driven by all parties, mainly by Edu, mainly by Mikel Arteta. I think the pair of them are, are, are turning out to be a pretty decent duo. But I think you have to give KSE credit for ultimately giving them the keys, stepping back and trusting them. I think that's really, really important part of it as well. Look, we're going to come on and take a few more of your comments and a few more of your questions in a few minutes time. But I just wanted to bring you guys up to speed with uh, William Saliba. And uh, now, of course, we heard over the weekend that talks were ongoing between him, his representatives and Arsenal over a new contract. And um, and we understand that those talks are progressing quite well. Um, I've seen some of you in the chat today suggesting that, um, suggesting that Bukayo Saka is also... Uh, holding talks and that those talks are are progressing. i got to say, I don't really know that that's true. I haven't heard that from anywhere credible at the moment. Um, you know, for, and forgive me if someone has put it out there, but I, I haven't come across it up until this point. So I don't really know what's going on with Bukayo Saka. But when you see Arsenal making moves like this, when you see Arsenal going out and showing clear ambition, showing, uh, you know, a ruthlessness, showing a showing the fact that they've clearly planned going into the window, you have to say that that would give you encouragement, wouldn't it, as a young player thinking about committing your long-term future to the club. So I think these, you know, you know, a lot of people are worried and concerned about the potential of Bukayo Saka maybe moving on. Uh, William Saliba is someone that people were calling out for to see, you know, put back into the squad um, and, and sort of valued at the football club. If those guys do go on to sign contract extensions, players that we can all accept are talented and players that we can all say are, um, you know, can say that we're really sort of moving in the right direction, then that will give you encouragement, wouldn't it? That, that, that at least, the very least, those players are convinced of where we're moving. And so why shouldn't we be as fans? But yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take a few more questions. In fact, before we do that, I'm just going to quickly remind you guys to smash that like button one more time because we've only got 180 likes on the board. We've now got 900 of you with us. 
We set a likes target of 400 between now and the end of the stream. It doesn't cost a thing, but it absolutely does help the channel. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new. It feels like it was just a few days ago we were talking about hitting 21,000. Well, I think, I think, in fact, you know what? Let me check now. Uh, hold on a second. We're not a million miles away from hitting the next milestone. Yet yeah, we are about 120 likes away from hitting 22,000 on here, which would be insane. Uh, that's on YouTube alone. So if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to the channel. Okay, right. Let's see what you guys are saying. Wagwan Baby Slick says, uh, I'm sorry to say, but if Rafinha is on the left, he'll be the new Pepe. A lot of people uh, um, are sort of asking this question now. If Rafinha does get done, and obviously it isn't yet, but if that was to happen, where would he play? Um, you know, would he play from the right? Would he play from the left? I've had my say on this before. I think Rafinha's best position is from the right. I think Saka's best position is from the right as well. What I would say is there are plenty of games and with five substitutes being allowed from next season, I think there are so many um, opportunities for both players. Like I'm not massively worried about someone being left out like I was initially. The more I think about it, though, the more I think that particularly when you look at the back end of last season, how, how uh, Saka looked really tired and, and sort of blowing out of his backside at various points through no fault of his own, by the way, you kind of come to the, the conclusion that, yeah, actually a bit of depth wouldn't go amiss, would it? Uh, big hello to Chris Hudson. How you doing, mate? He says, uh, Ruiz instead of Tielemans, Harry. I've said this before um, on Ruiz. Um, look, I like him. I think technically he's a, he's a really enjoyable player to watch but if you're one of those people i've said this before i'll say it again because my opinion hasn't changed and, and it still does ring true to me if you're one of those people that thinks that granite jack is too slow or that granite Xhaka's clunkiness if you want to call it that hinders him when playing in the midfield and that we sometimes get exposed as a result of that then you don't want fabian ruiz in there i think he looks like that sometimes in Serie A, let alone in the premier league so whilst I think technically he's superb, whilst I think he's got a wonderful left foot, I think he can score goals. I think he can create goals. And I think he's very, very effective in the final third. I don't think he's too much of a DM. I think he's more of a progressive midfielder. But I also think that you would throw a lot, and not you personally, Chris, but generally speaking, a lot of the same criticisms that get leveled at Granit Xhaka would then be leveled at, at Fabian Ruiz based on, on what I've seen of him. Uh, Fuong Ha says, uh, what do you think of the injury issue for next season? The new signings alleviate a bit of that pressure, but we also have many more games. If we had everyone fit, we would have been fourth. I agree with that. I think that if people did stay fit, we would have finished fourth. I know it's all ifs, I know it's all buts, um, you know, and it doesn't mean an awful lot, but... You know, I, I completely agree with you. And I actually said this on, on BBC Five Live last night. And um, Chris Sutton, you know, Chris Sutton, he said, oh, that's just a just a throwaway comment, isn't it? Well, no, it's my opinion, Chris. It's my opinion. That's what I think. Um, and, and you got me on to talk about my opinion. So that's my opinion. And uh, it just it drives me mad how many 
non-Arsenal fans failed to see and struggled to see that we were massively hindered by the problems we had at the back end of last season. Not just that right back, not just that left back, but in the centre of midfield too. And up front, all of that combined caused us problems towards the back end of the season. So that links nicely onto Matt's question, which is, Harry, are you a bit concerned that we've only signed one guaranteed starter in Jesus? And, and the answer to that is not really. Um, because for me, I think we've... Um, I think that we, we've we got closer to having a really strong first 11. And the striker position was the only one that I was quite unhappy with when everyone was fit. So that was the one guaranteed starter that we needed. I think where our problems have come in the last 12 months have been when we've been missing people, as I've just said, and when we've been, um, you know, without certain players to backfill key areas. So I think the competition, the depth, I think all of that, that these signings add is, is going to take us up to that next level. I hope anyway. What else have we got? Um, <laughs> Jay, not a big fan of Chris Sutton, clearly. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, and apologies if I miss some of your comments. I, I really do um, apologise uh, in advance. I, I can't always get to all of them. Uh, Mohamed Zubir says, Milinkovic Savic. For 50 million, I'd love Milinkovic Savic. I really, really would. Um, I think he'd be an, a great addition. Um, but yeah, whether that's doable, I don't know. I don't think it is. And I think that's why Arsenal are having to be a bit creative in that Lissandro Martinez will play, could play centre-back, could play defensive midfielder and could play left-back. I think all of that um, means that he's much better value at, even if we have to pay 50 million then maybe Milinkovic Savic is, although I think Milinkovic Savic is great. I don't know that we've got that kind of money available to go that extra mile. AJ Envoy says, Harry, do you worry about the party issue in terms of coverage? I think this will be a great window and perhaps some fans are unrealistic in the process of things. I agree with, with the second statement. Um, do I worry about the party issue? I do, but again, goes back to Lissandro Martinez. Can he fill that position if we need him to? I think he can. I really do. Um, and also, you know, Lokongo, who we talked about a little bit earlier on, is clearly someone that Arsenal have earmarked as a, a future star in this team. The fact that they're keeping hold of him and they're not letting him go out on loan suggests to me that they think that next season could very much be a breakthrough season for him. Um, another interesting point, could Ben White play in defensive midfield? Again, that's that's something that's happened before. He's played there before. For previous teams so again that's another option and again maybe reinforces the reasons that you know Arsenal seemingly aren't going out and going massive on a, a on a specific no that's not the word specialist centre midfielder is what I wanted to say uh, okay let's see let's see let's see let's see what else you guys are saying I'm going to pick out one or two more uh, but then I've got to dash. Um, you can catch up with the show earlier on today as well, which was around Matt Turner. Do you know what? I just want to quickly make a point on that because basically when I do these podcasts, I, I literally write a couple of bullet points that I want to talk about. I hit live and I just go, I just chat. And um, and I've looked at some of the comments from the the episode that we did earlier today. And there's quite a few people sort of having a go at me and saying that, you know, I'm being negative about Matt Turner. Um, I made it clear repeatedly through that show that I will support and back anybody that wears an Arsenal shirt. 
And when Matt Turner plays for the Arsenal, and he's part of the Arsenal family now, you know, he's got my full and undwindled support. But I didn't lie, and, and I won't lie. You know, a lot of people have been critical of me in the last year or so and called me Arsenal's mouthpiece, Arteta's mouthpiece, that I'm twerking for a job at the club is how some people have put it. I mean, what job do you think it is that they're going to give me? What are they going to do? Appoint me and, and sit me next to Mikel Arteta on the sidelines. They even had people go as far as making up that they saw me get a free coffee at Emirates Stadium, which is absolute nonsense. Um, I had to pay about £10 for a cup of coffee, just like the rest of you. But um, the point I wanted to make here is that just because, um, you know, I, I shared that opinion on on Matt Turner that I don't believe him to be at the moment an upgrade on Bern Leno. And therefore I can't possibly sit here and say that if Bern Leno leaves, we've strengthened in that area. I think that's a fair view and a fair opinion to have. It isn't done toxically. It isn't done negatively. It isn't done with the intention of causing any problems. It's just for me, not a very exciting signing. And that's my view. And, and I've said it time and time again, I was wrong with Aaron Ramsdale. And so I am very prepared to eat humble pie. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's how I feel about it. The other point was that people talk about, um, you know, people talk about him not being very good with his feet. And again, that doesn't really fit into what we're trying to do. So you can understand why people are a little bit sort of um, baffled or mystified by the decision to sign him. Uh, Matt says, Harry, if you ever get a job at Arsenal, you're going to feel so silly. Mate, uh, listen, I would love to work for the football club. Who wouldn't? But um, I just know if I di ever did, there would be just people popping up everywhere saying, oh my God, look, this is what he was doing. This is what he wanted. This is what he was trying to do. This is why he didn't want to slag off Mikel Arteta when the two are completely uh, unrelated. But anyway, part and parcel, uh, if that does happen, um, of... Uh, how things go sometimes, eh? Uh, Wondering Minstrel says, uh, bring on J-Lo and watch Harry twerk. Good vibes. Oh, mate, I'll twerk for J-Lo. That's for sure. <laughs> Paul James says, I'm twerking for Stan Kroenke. That's a new one. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Look, guys, um, let me take one more question. Uh, I'm going to take this one with regards to Eddie and Ketty and Gabriel Jesus. And then I'm going to leave it there uh, just because I've got to run. But... And the question is, do you think Eddie and Jesus is enough? If not, realistically, who would you want? I was having this conversation in a WhatsApp group earlier today with Dan Potts. Um, you know, he was saying that in his opinion, we're, we're still short of another striker. And my response to that was, I never at any point thought that Arsenal were going to go out this summer and buy two. I think what we could have done was compromised on the quality of one in order to get two. But I've said it before and I said it, um, you know, and I said it when we were when we were sort of discussing the decision to give Eddie and Ketty a new contract. That's a much more cost effective way of providing cover to Gabriel Jesus as a result, being able to stretch and get Jesus, who's only got one year left on his contract, yet we paid £45 million to sign him. So that tells you that Arsenal went a little bit further to get that done. Eddie Nketiah is probably as good based on what we saw at the back end of last season as a £20 million striker in today's market. And this way it's worked out cheaper, but it also means that if it doesn't work out, Arsenal can sell him on for something. So it's not just about the here and now. It's about making sure 
as we've said for for a while now um you know as we've said for a while now that arsenal are preparing themselves to be able to sell if they need to to be able to protect assets that they need to and to essentially put themselves in a much stronger position when it comes to transfer negotiations than they've been for years and years and years. And when the reason we've been in those bad positions is because of bad decisions, because of being proactive, uh, sorry, because of a failure to be proactive rather than reactive. There have been so many issues, so many issues that have led us to this point. And yeah, I talked about Arsenal spending a fair amount of money this summer and it looks like we're going to, but we still have limitations. We're still not Manchester City. We're still not Paris Saint-Germain. So Arsenal weighed it up and that's the decision that they came to. Let's not write Eddie and Ketia off. You know, Gabriel Jesus is the number one centre forward. I think we can all agree on that. Be shocked if he isn't. But Eddie can do it in the Europa League. Eddie can do it in the Carabao Cup. Eddie can probably do it in the FA Cup. And Eddie is someone that you can call on when you need a goal. And, you know, based on the, the sort of the way he picked up his game when his confidence started to come back at the back end of last season, I don't think it's the worst decision in the world. Uh, big shout out to Rob as well, who says, uh, yeah, going back to the, <laughs> he says, Harry's got a double who sits behind my mate Lee uh, whilst he lives it up in the Diamond Club. It's literally a cardboard cutout of me in block six. Uh, so if you come over and say hi, I won't respond because I'm in the Diamond Club uh, drinking uh, whiskey with Stan Kroenke, apparently. <laughs> love it. Love it. Fantastic. Look, guys, uh, we're going to leave it there. Um, thank you all so, so much. If you haven't checked out the stream from earlier today, you can do so. It's on the channel. Uh, we've got 282 likes on the board. I've set a target of 400 at the start of the stream. If we could get there ASAP, um, it would be amazing. Uh, so please do hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We're closing in on 22,000. Hopefully get there within the next week or so. Um, but thank you, as always, for your continued support. And I'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.